What's up, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And we are back with episode 11 of The Business of Lifting Weights. We're also joined by our head coach at Performance 360 again, Julianne Russell. Hey, guys. Hey. And um, today we're going to talk about how to set your gym up for growth via the programming. Um, so basically ways to make your programming better for an entire gym population. Um, you know, as we were kind of discussing this off air beforehand, making a little outline, um, you know, we kind of had this determination that it's basically like consistent progress at the end of the day that keeps people coming back. Um, <laughs> are you laughing? Results are fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We also came up with a new slogan that's results are fun that you're not allowed to steal. It's going to make this, us millions of dollars. This is our proof that we, uh, we copyrighted it. Yep. Yeah. It's written um, here by a one year old Results child. are fun. So yeah, consistent progress is really what keeps people coming back. <clears throat> and there's multiple opportunities that gyms have to derail that by causing injury or by, um, trying to have regular folks kind of train like professional athletes, um, not really diversifying the workouts and giving multiple areas of progress or just kind of making the training one dimensional. Um, I think you'll, you'll attract that one dimension. Um, but that's usually not enough to make a business or a gym successful and growing. Um, so that's kind of what we'll get into or just ways that you can kind of make sure that your programming is set up to grow, um, a wide amount of populations within your gym. And this is a pretty big deal. I, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords in the industry. Community is huge these days. Um, but ultimately, it all comes back to the programming and ensuring people get the results that they're coming for. Like, that's the reason people join a gym. 99% um, of the time is for the results. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is largely, you know, probably the most important thing that gym owners do correctly. Yeah, it's, it's like we sent that survey out a few years ago. One of the questions was just like cut and dry, like why do you come to the gym? Mm -hmm. To get results or to be a part of a community? And it was like 75% were to get results. Yep. And it's like people, they come for the results and they stay for the community. Yep. So the community is obviously like hugely important. But that community is built on who you attract via the workouts that you're producing. So right. that's kind of where you set that up from the get-go and, and who you want to be and what you want your like gym DNA to look like is – the workouts that you're ultimately putting on the board. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. It does completely matter. Um, so one of the things that we started doing uh, recently that, you know, we've seen to be really successful is writing the workouts out by level of progression. I think that's a big one. Um, <clears throat> trying to avoid like the cookie cutter workout for one entire class. Um, you know, I forget which episode it was. I don't know if you remember, but where we talked about like the secret squirrel programming and how a lot of gyms have athletes like doing their own thing that isn't a part of the class. Um, do you remember which one that was? Yeah, I think it was actually the first one we ever did. I'm uh, pretty sure. Anyways, like a lot of times people try to compensate for like advanced people by like having them do something totally separate. Right. Um, and so I think just like having basic progressions for every single movement that is involved in the class is big. And I know a lot of places do this, but they don't communicate it. And it's not something that's like 100% written on the board. Like beginners are going to do this. Um, most everybody is in the middle is going to do this. And then advanced folks are going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, so like Julianne, I know that, you know, you obviously coach a ton of people on a daily basis. I think you can speak to like 
what that does for people like feeling like this workout is actually targeting like what I'm here to do. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge benefit to you have this kind of general population of the gym, people that have been members for a certain amount of time have built the foundation and they're looking at middle of the board. Here's kind of the bulk, like the meat of the workout. And then you have what we've, we've talked about a lot, our phase one development, you know, more beginners, less experienced, their version of the same workout happening, but geared toward their level of experience. But then on the other side, you have this advanced version for folks that are proficient, they possess the prereqs that are required to do it. And so give an example of like, say like a deadlift day, so like what that looks like for people in your class and how you feel like that benefits everybody. Yeah. So let's say we have our strength tiers five by five deadlifts and that's what's in the middle of the board. And that's geared toward, um, you know, folks that have experienced deadlifting, but maybe have never even approached any kind of one rep max or aren't training for a competition or anything like that. So they're just focusing on consistent movement patterns, building strength for themselves um, within that five by five rep scheme. And then you have your phase one side where they're working on developing their hinge pattern. And then on the advanced side, you have five by one at 90% or 80 to 90%, something along those lines. And there you have your people who are much smaller percentage who are looking for strength gains, very specifically training for something or um, in their own right, just looking to be competitive uh, within that lift or within their strength score, whatever it might be. And they're proficient, they're experienced, and they have this opportunity to push themselves and do one rep for five rounds at a much, much heavier weight because they have the experience to do so and then challenge themselves to maybe increase down the line that one rep max because that's what they're specifically working toward. Mm -hmm. And then on the other <clears> side <throat> of that, you have a prerequisite for that. We have a barbell club. Let's say you have to be in level one barbell club to get there and folks in the middle of the board are going, oh, well, level one barbell club, that sounds like something that I want to strive for. And then you just inadvertently gave a goal to somebody that didn't have a goal even right. walking in there that day. Yeah, exactly. Which is pretty rad. Yeah, and that's kind of the whole point of programming is you want to set it up so that it's progressive, so that somebody who's coming in starts on the far left-hand side of the spectrum, and they can visually visually see, like not be told, but like visually see left to right like what their progression mm -hmm. is going to be, and that's motivating for a beginner. Like They see that they're starting on the left-hand side, learning how to hinge with mm -hmm. a band good morning yeah. and then they see other people doing a five by five deadlift and then on the far right hand side of the board they see barbell club yeah. you know five times two at 90 percent and that's like that's a right there that's just a map of like okay yeah. like I, I know where i'm going like step one be able to do the barbell like step two from there be able to you know progress even further mm -hmm. than that so rather than just like counting on like this is the one workout everybody here is going to do five by three and just assuming people are going to know that you're going to progress within that, actually showing them like ways that they can tangibly improve as they continue to come to the gym. Yeah, and I think a really intelligent um, thing about that too is you don't even have to, ch you don't have to change the workout at all, right? It's still, everybody's still doing the same movement. You just are giving multiple options within rep schemes that are going to target the wide variety of goals that you have in the gym. Right. So and that's huge too. You know, you, you are allowing people to all be doing the same thing and not be set apart in any way, shape or form, just focusing on different goals and different levels of experience, but still in it together in that aspect. Yeah. And it's like, it probably sounds like it's a lot for like coaches or owners that are listening. Like 
I have to do all these different workouts and show all these people all this different stuff within the framework of the class, but it's really not that much of a challenge. It requires, you know, the initial communication during the walkthrough. And then as people are warming up in the movements, just kind of working one off with folks to make sure that they're doing the right thing. Um, you know, Pritz, I know that you talk a lot about that as like, it's just, it's really not that difficult. It mm-hmm. requires extra work, but like any good coach, that's not a difficult task. Right. I mean, once you have that knowledge, it's, very easy to do like I I think the you mentioned it the tough part is either um, getting it set up and like you know figuring out the template of how you're going to do it and training your coaches Mm -hmm. um, to be able to teach it that way I think that's the difficult part yeah and I just think it's like you know like Julianne said it's it, it gives people goals and that's the whole point of programming that way is like it falls back to the people come to the gym for consistent progress the three of us believe at the end of the day Um, and that anything else is extracurricular that is like factors into them attending, Mm -hmm. but people aren't going to shell out over a hundred bucks a month if they're not getting like results. And and also it does another big thing. And we talked about this in our last episode is it builds trust. So Mm -hmm. especially for those people that are on the beginner side, episode 10. Yeah. Episode 10. Um, you know, it, it lets them know that number one, you care about their development and number two, that you're putting them in a position to not only succeed and progress, but also, um, you know, limit their injury um, or their potential chance of injury. So I think that those two things are just massive for um, those new people coming in. And then even advanced people, they see that, oh, there is a progression. There is a a way that this is structured so that I can continue to develop, you know, wherever I am in that spectrum. Yeah. And it's like for our like CrossFit friends, it's, you know, there's a bad rep out there yeah. that it's like a lot of people think I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this because I don't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yes, injuries happen across all fitness, but like the average gym is not just going out there and injuring a ton of people, right. but it's perception. So it's like, if you can break that down when people join and they see like, I have a template to follow when I start and I'm going to be taken care of and I don't, I'm not going to be pressured into like a heavy lift right when I join. I can start out and progress. People want that. Beginners crave that type of, you know, color by number approach <clears throat> where it's, we sh- you know, you're shown exactly what to do. Right. I think too many places make the mistake of thinking that like onboarding or foundations is like this magic pill that like you complete foundations and you're just done. Right. And now you're in classes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, places will offer like, you know, beginner classes, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no, there's no real like hands-on progressions with it once people leave just their first onboarding foundations, whatever it is. There's nothing else for them to follow. It's right. like there's no, there's no transition. I think that ongoing transition is just very important for everybody as they as they progress what's really cool about it too is that we talked about um in episode 10 as well you know building better partnerships and relationships with your members when you have people that you know possess the prereqs or whatever to be in on the advanced side of things and you're looking at a class that might be full and you're thinking wow how am i going to coach all of these different things well the people that are on the advanced side working on that you know part of the template you have built this relationship and you have this already foundation of trust within them. So you can move around the room and not feel pressured to be focusing on three different things, but rather you have trust with those people. You're helping your beginners. You're focusing on middle of the board. And then you know how to help the people that you've been watching Mm -hmm. lift for, 
you know, a year, however long, get to where they need to be. And you can kind of do that a little less on top of them as you might need to for somebody that is newer to the movement. And it's not, you're not like putting all of your energy into one thing. Your energy is very easily dispersed throughout the room for the three different levels that you have. Like it might, like you said, it might sound like, how do I do that as a coach? It really isn't that hard because you've spent the time to build the trust relationships with everybody in the room already on some level, whether they're newer or more experienced. So mm -hmm. it tends to flow really easily that way. Um, and you get to relay to people that are kind of in the middle or on the advanced side, that whole, just because you can, doesn't mean you should, you right. help people figure out if they should be, whether they have the prereq or not doing the five by two or doing the five by five and how that would benefit their specific goal. Um, yeah. That, that brings up a really good point is having, tangible measurements for each of those directions so we talked about being in our for us specifically level one barbell club in order to do the advance because i think if you just tell somebody for you in advance doesn't just mean heavy weight that also means like timed workouts right? yeah absolutely but if you tell if you talk to a class and you say okay if you're advanced you're going to be doing this well how many people are going to do that because they think that they're advanced right, when right. They're nowhere near that right, right. You know, lots of people, lots of people. Yeah. Yeah. And we found that out before. Um, so I think that is very <laughs> crucial to have tangible measurements that qualify you to progress into the next level, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's an awesome thing when you're in a class and you're watching a class or coaching it and you see everybody who's like doing what they should be doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like you present, like I've never been a, a huge fan of like, this is the class it's for time. Everybody's going to be doing it. Yeah. It's just like something I've never loved because, A, there's a lot of people in there who don't give a shit about going right. for time in the workout. They're there to be in good shape. They're not there to, to compete. Right. Um, whatever gym you run, there is a large portion of people there who don't really care about competing. Right. I think that's a hugely important message. Um, and number two, it's like having to homogenize everybody on a certain weight or a certain distance when you've got somebody that's one month into the training – you know, yeah, they're doing a scaled version of it, but it just never has felt right to have everybody just go balls out. I mean, that's just like you're taking bodies that are, are not ready for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you have this structure where in the, in the second phase of the workout in a circuit or Metcon or, or what, what have you, you know, you've got the majority of people, 75%, say doing like, you know, I'll try to think of something off the top of my head, maybe like 10 dumbbell thrusters with five burpees and a 200 meter row. That sounds terrible. Or a 200 meter, sounds 200 meter run. <laughs> so let's say what I say, 10 dumbbell thrusters, five burpees, 200 meter run. Yeah. So within that framework, like not everybody should be doing that. Mm -hmm. Beginners, most of them probably don't need to be doing full burpees. So just take a quick deviation on that for beginners to do a, a progression of a burpee. Mm -hmm. They probably also don't need to be running or excuse me, rowing in a scenario where they're trying to learn rowing, but also gassed. Mm -hmm. So you probably want to switch them to a run. At the same time, advanced folks, maybe you switch them to barbell thrusters, mm -hmm. like 135 or 95 or something, five burpees, and you have them row and you have that for time. So you have like five or six people who are doing that version for time who are qualified. They're in a level one barbell club. You have the majority of class just doing the regular workout, and then you have the beginners progressing on the movements. Mm -hmm. So everybody's doing it, and it's all the same flow, 
but everybody's doing it slightly different so that it's like completely to where they need to be along the developmental curve. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in my opinion, that's just like what gyms need to do for people Mm -hmm. is it's not about like the shock factor or it's not about like babying everybody. It's like everybody exists in between in that and you have to be prepared to both write workouts for folks like that and coach them within the, the within the framework of a class to get everybody continuing to progress. Yeah, I mean, you know, that brings up a point that I like to talk about a lot is the hard versus effective. Um, you see a lot of gyms out there that they program their workouts to look badass on social media and look and just gas people and, you know, floor them every workout. And while that is a very challenging workout, how is that getting you know, a group of people from all different fitness levels to the next step, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, you know, some people that might work for them, but other people, it might be one of the worst things that they can do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a very important aspect to always think about right. is what is the goal and what is, what are we trying to accomplish by writing this workout? Right. Yeah. Like Julianne, like you probably encounter it a lot with our other coaches, along with our other coaches too, of like, a beginner who sees like something for time and is like, I want to do that. (laughs) So how would you handle that in a way that doesn't just crush their ego, but gets them also excited about getting to that? Um, Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, that doesn't happen as often as you might think, but when it, when it does happen, it's, it's pretty easy to say straight up, well, this is your first class and I want you to be successful. But not even like a first class, like maybe somebody who's been there like a couple of months and it's like they think they're ready for it, but you just like flat out know that they're not. I mean, I'm the kind of coach that's going to flat out tell you mm-hmm. um, and not in, you know, a drill sergeant kind of way, but more in a so this is what this movement requires and this is what you're not performing properly. And that's why we're not going to go for time today. But instead, we're going to focus on perfecting this thing that we want to perfect so that you can work toward going for time next time. Yeah. Something along those lines. So like if it's maybe like kettlebell swings okay. and it's, uh, well, but every time you swing the kettlebell, your heels are coming off the ground and that is going to create a problem within your lower back. So let's focus today on slightly lighter kettlebell swings where your main goal is to keep your heels on the ground and perform them properly. And mm-hmm. then we can look at it from there. And a lot of the times if I'm able to spot the one thing that is the, deficiency without presenting it that way, then I'll be listened to. And occasionally that person might still pick up that kettlebell and try to do it. And at that point I will go over and take the kettlebell away from them. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. happen that often, but, um, but yeah, typically, give um, me that. <laughs> yeah, give me that now. Typically people are, um, open enough to listen to me for the most part, but when it does happen, I just look at what they're doing and find the one thing that I can say that is, look, this is a thing that's not fixed and we need to fix this first or you're going to get hurt. Um, and they'll usually listen. But if they don't, that's also their personal responsibility. I can't do anything about it at a certain point. Right. It, it all goes back to that why. Yeah. If you explain why, why and you educate mm-hmm. them why, then it's like, oh, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I should that's be like when this. people want to blame the movement. Right. It's not the movement. It's because your heels are right. coming off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- there's kind of the obvious of like, you know, don't don't focus on like the shock value of your workouts just to get people into a sweat, um, which would be like on the extreme end of things. On the less extreme end of things, the whole you know there's there's that belief out there that like workouts have to be fun and that you know people are only going to come to the gym if it's fun. Like this whole Pokemon Go thing, oh. like you know 
it's easy to sit there and just bash all those people doing it, but it's fun for them and they're getting out and they're exercising. So it's really created this whole like workouts need to be fun thing in the fitness industry. But results are fun. Yeah, exactly. That's our (laughs) bumper sticker. Results are fun. Um, But seriously, like working out does not need to be fun. I maintain this. I believe this. I don't think you should be writing a workout with the idea of it being a fun time for somebody. If you're a sick, twisted F word, like (laughs) a lot of us who enjoy tough workouts, that's different. Mm -hmm. But like the culture is fun. Interacting with the people is fun. When you're there to work, like you're there to work. That that is not supposed to be something that you're like laughing and having a great time towards. So results are fun. That's where you want to have your focus on being. And I see a lot of gyms and I see a lot of people get caught up in this belief that it like has to be this like daycare type fun experience. And I, I just don't believe that. I think people are there to, to get the results. And I think yeah. that's what has them coming that back. That moment six months in where you look in the mirror and you go, oh shit, I have abs. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> like those kinds of things, those, those kinds of like, you know, when you realize that you've gotten good at something, maybe right. you just sucked at really bad at the beginning or you've moved up a band or you've added five pounds or whatever it is. You ran your mile 10 seconds faster. Those, those are really fun. Right. You know, it's just a different kind of fun. Being able to be put into a position where you're continually progressing in a sensible type of programming environment. The Pritz, I know we've talked before about, um, you know, gyms that we've heard where like the programming switches every month from coach to coach Mm -hmm. and how, you know, one of our buddies who goes to one of these gyms talks about how there's just zero consistency. Like right when he gets comfortable working on something, it just totally switches. Right. And it's like the momentum is kind of lost. Now it's very difficult with all the movements that are out there and functional fitness to like provide them every single week. Mm -hmm. So every gym faces that challenge, but when somebody like brand new comes in and they're in charge of, total gym programming and they're just changing the philosophy. Like that's a dangerous situation to be put in for maintaining people's goals. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it right there. Phil- you know, philosophy, a, a general philosophy should guide the entire gym. So if you have different coaches that, you know, they, they might be in line with your gym and what it stands for, but like they're going to have their own kind of personal philosophy and that's going to come out in those workouts. So, um, you know, for us, while we, program through micro cycles and stuff like that if somebody else is doing it every good word oh thank you um (laughs) you know if if somebody else is doing it every single month and you're not working together for that greater goal it's just a lot of like random you know periods of just totally different stuff because they're going to start programming stuff that they want to see in there more um because they probably feel differently than the next coach so it's just there's no consistent overall theme and progression towards an end goal or, you know, whatever you want to call that, that top level progression. Yeah. Um, and in line with the beginner talk and the people that are progressing is like that coach might come in and have something totally different that they want beginners to be focusing on in progression. So all of a sudden what they're used to, like, okay, I'm trying to learn how to deadlift. So I'm going to do, you know, hinge taps or band good mornings all of a sudden like somebody else comes in and messes with that progression mm-hmm. then it's like it throws it just throws yeah. everything off and it's almost like they it's almost like they're at a new gym yeah um you know it, it just everybody ha- everybody has like even within like our staff like 
you know, as people should, everybody has the things that like they like doing a lot that like they probably want to encourage people to do more of. So if you're constantly changing it up, then I think you're putting yourself in this situation where there's just, there's, it's like, there's just so many, there's so many voices like in your head on what, what you should be doing that it just, you get kind of lost with, with what you're trying to focus on it, as a member. In the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know we've talked about it before, but like, you know, I personally believe the better way to get the staff involved with that is to have specialty classes that each coach is skilled in writing workouts that it, it focuses like solely on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a, you know, a one-off specialty class that, that they own and they program and that they manage completely rather than trying to like get everybody's preferences jammed into one 40 minute workout. Yeah. And that coach then knows what is going on week to week and can program off of previous weeks and, you know, that kind of consistent flow to it. Um, I think that I'm just trying to think of like what, what would happen if all of a sudden I was programming for a month? Like I would probably do, all there would be of cleans every day, <laughs> probably, and there would be no partner sitting workouts. Indian style. There would be no workouts. Pritz likes partner workouts. Just he doesn't like the touch. partner touching, touching workouts. I was I was thinking yeah. about bringing that up when I see people. <laughs> I see a lot of videos where the partner carries. Yeah, where somebody you know you would jump on my back yeah, and we'd gross. run a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> who the fuck wants to do that? If I'm working out with my best friend, like okay, I'm not gonna be that upset about it, but like. I feel like Dusty Can't. wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to jump on Dusty's back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, different people, different personalities, different knowledge bases, all that stuff. So it's just going to be totally, um, you know, totally flung together and not make any sense. I, I, it's just. Yeah. And there's ways to, there's ways to like get input from it and to have it affect the programming without having like completely different recipes for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've taken certain elements that you've seen in in the classes mm-hmm. that you have your coaches programming for and oh that that works for for this and what we're doing so i'm gonna put that in a daily challenge right right it's, yeah that, that's a good point yeah it's easy to pull from it yeah um so another like another what i personally think is a really big mistake that i see a lot of gyms make um and that like you know i i've dropped in from gyms when i travel from time to time and one thing that i always see is there seems to be this like overwhelming and especially when we get near this time of year when like the CrossFit games are on TV, but Mm -hmm. you seem to get people who want to create workouts thinking their entire gym population are CrossFit game athletes. Mm -hmm. And the amount of people that like, I mean, I think this could be a whole episode, but the amount of people that like you alienate with that, um, as well as like set up for injury, um, is just like I look at you know Julianne, for example, and training for her powerlifting competition, like lifting a ton, yeah. and you know you yes you got a great result out of that competition and you hit your goals, but like please don't let me put words in your mouth. I don't think you felt that was like great on your body. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely was not, and um, I I enjoyed that peaking program in a lot of different ways I got a lot stronger in a lot of ways but I missed going to daily challenges too because you have to take yourself out of 
certain things because you're squatting heavy twice a week or whatever it is. So I couldn't go in and do some of those challenges that I really wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, the, the major point being, though, that like you're somebody who is very capable, who had many years of experience, who decided to train for powerlifting meet, yeah. and that shit still broke down your body. Oh, broke it down immensely. So it's like when, when Jim's out there programming like their gen pop to be training like athletes, it's just like such a massive yeah. failure across so many levels. And like I, you know, I love the term athlete for mm -hmm. referring to people um, because I think it makes you take your training seriously and it, sure. it's cool. It makes people take their training seriously when you refer to them as an athlete. Mm -hmm. But it also goes a little bit too far in that you think you actually have, like, <laughs> professional athletes. Like, you know, the person that sits behind the desk all day, like, let's just be real. They're not an athlete. Right. Like, they might train like one for right. one hour a day and have the mentality of an athlete, but their body is not geared to be athletic. Right. Right. You're sitting at a desk. You're hunched over. You cannot then go into a gym and just do this high, high-octane right. stuff that, like, CrossFit Games athletes are doing. Right. What I mean, what percentage of people would you think are interested in that at, at a general gym? What? Like that? Like that high-level athlete, like, competition training. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's probably, like, a decent amount. Like, l let's say there's... Let's say like a third of your gym is into that. Yeah. Like let's just say on and the I high end, high. of course yeah. it is. But like that's still the overwhelming minority. Right. Yeah. So it's like you, you can't – you know, everybody wants to – I totally get it. You want to create this culture where you have these high-level performing people. It's a cool thing to have. You know, you want to feel like your gym is really good and really productive. But you, you have to be realistic with why people are in there and what they're capable of doing. Yeah. And I just see and I hear from people that join our gym of like, I left this gym because like I was squatting heavy twice a week. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, why is the average <laughs> yeah. person, the average person right. squatting heavy two times a week? Mm -hmm. yeah, like, it, I just don't get that. If it broke my body down and I'm not the average person, quote unquote, because I don't sit behind a desk and yeah. I work in a gym then the average person is pretty much screwed. Yeah, and this isn't like how to program for advanced athletes. Right. This is how to program to grow a successful gym. And there are elements, Pritz, like you said, off air, of programming that target the advanced athlete. Right. Absolutely. There's, pro there's elements of that in our training every single day and every single workout. But when you make it the focus of it and you jam that down everybody's throat, I think you drastically over-assume how into – your shit people are. Right. And I think you set people up to be banged up, which is going to, A, that's just unethical because you're injuring people. Mm -hmm. And number two, you're setting them out to cancel their membership. Yeah. yeah. And you're alienating the people that are just there because they want to be well-rounded, healthy, and look good naked. Which yeah. is the yeah. majority of right. your membership. Base. Yes. So you're essentially just limiting your potential membership by doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't care like what kind of gym it is, whether or not it's like a Pilates studio or like the most badass CrossFit gym, like the average person pluck one out of the membership. It's going to be somebody that wants to get stronger, wants to lose weight, wants to be in better shape and look better without their clothes on. Right. Yep. And it's just like, those are goals that are homogenous for every single gym membership. So really understanding that and not getting so caught up in like how, how can I push these people like to a point where they might not be ready in the name of like getting them stronger and like results that I 
don't think they probably even really care about. Yeah. Right. Um, not to mention the fact that like when you have well-rounded training, it obviously just opens up your, your demographic and it opens up your gym membership for more people to be attracted to what you're providing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people I would presume open up a gym to get as many members as they possibly can and help as many people as they possibly can. So, and we talked a little bit about this before by focusing so much on, you know, that high level athlete training, if you will, you're essentially just limiting your possible membership base and reducing your potential to grow into a very successful gym. Yeah, absolutely. I just love the way you say potential. Potential. <laughs> How do I say it? Potential. Potential. Yeah. Um, potential. Yeah. Potential. Yes, exactly. So it's like, you know, I would love for everybody to come into our gym and be like, I'm ready to hit barbells. Like, I want to see how much I can lift. I want to progress my strength over the next few months. Like, that's what I would love to see. And I wish like more people would be into, but that takes a substantial amount of time, you know, not to reiterate what we talked about in episode what was the last episode 10, 10 episode 10, but it's understanding that like that takes time for people. Mm-hmm. So giving them multiple options, like people can't hit it extremely hard every single day, getting them options. That's more cardio focused like we do in our shred class or like, you know, classes where it's geared like solely on hypertrophy. Like mm-hmm. let's grow some muscle, like straight up bodybuilding style. Like that stuff used to be laughed at in like the, the functional fitness community, but you see more and more places mm-hmm. doing that now because you want to accept as many goals as possible in your gym. So long as everybody flies under like the same flag of like, we want to work hard and we don't want to like deal with any like BS. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you, do you think it has anything to do with like the ego? I, I know that, you know, we've been open for over five years now and I've definitely felt this need at certain times where it's like if you have all these high level athletes and you're, you know, they're doing all kinds of badass stuff and you can post about that on social media and you can market that, you know, you're almost trying to prove to other gyms and other people in your industry that you know what you're talking about. Right. And I think that that has a large part to do with that. You know, we've had conversations where it'd be like, it'd be awesome if, you know, we were recognized as the best gym in San Diego or the best gym in the country. And like, that would mean something to us and it still would, but that should, excuse me, that should not take over your training and take over what you do for your customers. Right. Like we've let, you know, honestly, like the majority of longtime member that leaves us when they do, which, which is rare is like the person that like feels like they've grown out of it. Mm -hmm. And number one, they haven't, that's a perception thing. But like number two, I'm always fine with that. Like, you know, people that have left our gym to go to like the exclusive powerlifting gym. Right. I I look at those people and it's great. That's what you want to focus on. We could see that as like pressure to like, okay, like shoot, we should be like lifting every single day and providing more and more and more of this. Right. Whereas like, no, we shouldn't. Like, we should continue to remain a place that creates this well-rounded um, environment of results for people. And, like, if people are going to leave because they want to go do, like, what they perceive to be, like, hyper-advanced, like, I think you should just let them go. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think there's the need to be catering to the people who want to go so against the grain of, like, what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so Julianne, like I would kick this over to you. Like, you know, we obviously have a large 
a, a diverse membership um, of people because kind of, of all the things that we've talked about that we implement here today, like what would you say are some similar traits that like everybody has regardless of what their goal is that like creates – Yes, everybody working on different goals and different levels, but that it puts everybody on the same page of like why they're there. Like, are there any qualities and traits that kind of everybody shares in that DNA that makes them a part of their gym culture? Well, I think that just underlying want or need to be successful. Um, I think that a lot of people just generally live in a state of stress all the time and maybe feeling like they're not doing enough. And one of the things that we provide or that is provided by the environment is you're going to be successful no matter where you are on the board and I'm going to help you be successful. And the 24 other people in the room are all trying to do the same thing. So everybody's kind of helping everybody be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the great things about the culture of the gym is that no one – no matter how advanced or how phase one development they are um, is really above anybody else. You know, whether you're the owner of the gym or a coach, or you just started, you're on your 200 meter run. The person that's running face to face with you is going to stick their hand out and give you a high five along the way and say, good job because everybody has that same kind of underlying just feeling of, trying to become more and be successful at what they're doing, even if they feel like they kind of suck at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also a very common feeling of being slightly uncomfortable in pushing themselves across the board, but having that feeling of support that it's okay if I'm uncomfortable, eventually I'll get comfortable and then I'll make myself uncomfortable again. Mm-hmm. It's like that constant push to progress in that way of like, I don't want to do what I've always done. I want to do something I haven't done yet. Yeah. Um, I think that's a very common underlying trait to most of our membership. Yeah. I think like a trap, a lot of gyms fall into is this pressure to like be this like badass facility because like they, you know, they, they think that a diverse culture means it's going to get watered down. And if you have everybody there who's like wanting to be a badass, then you're going to have all badasses and that's going to be your culture. And like, Mm -hmm. that's going to be your thing. Um, and I think a lot of places like really neglect their growth potential by not being overly accommodating to the beginner. Mm -hmm. Um, it's one of the things that we've seen that we get a lot of and like, Pritz and I were talking the other day about like why this is, this is something we're still trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. Like, why do we, you know, get Tyler guy who joined our gym who squats 500 pounds, (laughs) you know, we get him, but also we get a lot of people that have come off the couch for the first time who like you would otherwise think like, this is a very intimidated woman who, Mm -hmm. why would she want to be in here? And it's like, we touched on a little last episode where I feel like a lot of places, you know, it's like they don't they don't want to be welcoming to that because they feel like it's going to like hurt their street credit is right. really yeah. what i'm trying to say. Yeah. And it's like there's so much potential in the beginner because there are no bad habits to break. You get people that they're coming at a point in their life where they are ready for the first time to hit goals. They're coming to you for help. And this is like the number one person that a you should be helping and b you're able to get them started on a a long tenure journey of success. And see, there's a lot more of those people than 
the high advanced people. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's just, you know, I think that's just where a lot of people leave a lot on the table is, you know, being bored with, with attracting beginners. And it's like, you know, you always want a diverse mix of people that you attract, but you, you, your real potential lies in converting people who would otherwise be terrified of you to come into the gym and want to train. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think um, from a perspective of coaching and programming, that one of the main takeaways from that is plain and simple, it's not about you. It's, right. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about what your goals are or even how you got to where you are. It's about the person that's in front of you and completely removing your agenda from it outside of you helping that person. I hear coaches and trainers say all the time, I just love helping people. I love changing people's lives. Transformation Tuesday, hashtag this, hashtag that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but this looks like this post is all about you. Mm -hmm. It's not about yeah. the person you helped yep. at all. And I don't frankly give a shit about you. I want right. to know what you did for this person that transformed them. Um, if that's what you're trying to convey. And I think that, you know, when you're programming for your gym or, and when you're coaching that programming, that is just the number one thing you have to constantly remember. It's not about me. It's about the person in front yeah. of me and how I can really help them. If that's what you're claiming you're in this business for, then you better be doing it. Like I, I have so much respect for like the coaches that are like super high level and incredibly strong. And like some of them like games level athletes, that are just like very dedicated to the actual craft of coaching mm -hmm. and not like being a strong role model who happens to tell people what to do, yeah. like really a coach. Um, there's, there's a couple that I follow on social media that I can't think of right now, but like to me, that's like the coolest thing ever. It's like people that are performing at that high of a level, but they don't just regurgitate what they did to get there. Yeah. Um, they're actually like coaching and progressing and taking beginners and getting them better. And it's one thing to, you know, relate to your members of how you got where you are. If, if maybe you can help, help them see you in their shoes, yeah. but it's another thing to just make it all about you and what you want them to do or, yeah. or whatever it is. And I think that, um, you know, in, in programming for me, as I, I just program mobility and yoga at the gym, but you know, I've been working with people in yoga and mobility for years and I could go in there every week and give these very intricate explanations mm -hmm. and movements and things for people to try to do with their, you know, bands attached to everything and PVC pipes coming out of their ears, or I can give them 40 minutes worth of things that they can actually do for right. themselves on a daily basis that might be small increases in mobility here and there, but overall is better than nothing. And they're not going to do the things that I might in my head have come up with that, you know, attaches them to a rig for 45 minutes. Yeah. It's like but, marrying that clinical versus the practical. Right. Same yeah. I mean, that's the difference between helping people and almost showing off and right. being like, look at me, look at how much yeah. knowledge I have. Yeah, yeah. That is just, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like I can't stand when it's like, it's more about how much I know versus how much I can help you. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to go into Sunday morning yoga and <laughs> start trying to, you know, throw handstands up there and then like try to get the whole room to do it. That's not going to happen. I'm lucky if I can get them all to do downward facing dog. Do so. you think you're the only 
yoga teacher who is also meddled in a powerlifting meet. I don't know, Ooh. but I'd be willing, <laughs> I would, willing to bet there's not many of us. Yeah. I bet there's very few, <laughs> very if, if few. any. I bet you there's approximately zero. Well, or one. W- w- yeah, <laughs> one. Define yoga fun. teacher. Because I feel <laughs> oh, yeah, like that's a valid point. yoga teachers, you can go through the that's training, a very valid point. become a yoga teacher, and not do anything with it, and not have any knowledge on actual yoga. That's just my personal opinion. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Um, But yeah, I mean, just in general, making sure that, you know, it's, it's not about showing off everything you know and what you can do, but it's about how you can just provide the best programming and whatever it's, Mm -hmm. whatever facet it, facet it is for your your members to be successful. Yeah. And it's like going, just going back to like the, the beginner thing is like, you know, like Pritz said, there are more beginners out there that are looking for gym homes than there are advanced people looking for yeah. gym homes because they probably already have a gym home. Yeah. So I, I also think, you know, that like Julianne, like I would like you to talk about like your interaction with a new person who is coming in as a beginner versus somebody who's coming in as like I've worked out before and I have like my habits in place like the process of coaching them, how they adopt to the program. And like, if there's one that you think is like better than the other for for program adoption. I feel like, like you have already stated beginners are kind of overall the best to coach because they don't have necessarily bad habits. What they tend to have more than anything, anything else might be poor mobility. Right. Um, But there's, that's easy to work around, honestly, in anything. Um, it is challenging often when someone comes in with experience and that experience is poor movement pattern yeah. paired with potential poor mobility or anything else. Yeah, um, and just egos. Like, yeah, and egos are always shit all the time. Drives tough me nuts. to mm-hmm. work around. Um, sometimes being a female coach adds another layer to that. But for the most part, you know, it – like we continue to reiterate, it comes back to the why people that already have experience and we're trying to adopt to the programming. If I consistently hammer home why we do it this way. And if even better, you have the knowledge to look at the way they perform something, the way you want it performed, and then physically show them the difference between those two things and why we're asking for one thing over another. You know, it takes a little extra time and sometimes it can be challenging on the floor, but um, for the most part, overall, that's going to help adopt that person more to the program. Right. Beginners are just, for the most part, they're so amped to do something and feel something right. and, and work hard at something, especially I feel like if their goals are fat loss oriented, um, I feel like a which lot they of, all are every, they every all single are. one of them. And I feel like a lot of people that might have just gotten up off the couch for the first time in a while and pushing themselves to go into this environment want more than anything else to just be in that space and for you to just say, do it this way and do it this many times. And they're like, okay, I will do that right now because I want to feel this more than the guy that's been here for a year. Right. Um, though, those are probably some of the most fun and, uh, and easiest to coach for that reason. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get beat like beginners are tough. They are. Um, it's hard to get them to stick past the six month mark. Um, that's no way around that. But what you lack on that end is you get somebody who nine times out of 10 is, is going to listen to every word you say when you're actually coaching them. 
And when you get people who are not that, or if they're above that, or they're you know higher along that spectrum, like you might get them that they come in more commitment ready, mm -hmm. but it is just like such an enormous pain in the ass to get them to move well or correct habits or buy into buy into a structure of the program. And for me personally, and I would say for the success of our business, it pays enormous dividends to invest in those beginners and making sure that you're being a welcoming place for them yeah. so that they can hopefully adopt the work ethic on their own with the motivation that you provide them through the results and also through the education to get them started on the right foot. Yeah, yep. I think. And sometimes I think with the people that, um, that have the experience and kind of the ego that's blocking their progress, not only with the programming, but your progress in coaching them is, you know, maybe it sounds bad, but I think it's effective. Sometimes with those people, you have to put blinders on, mm -hmm. you have to almost stop seeing them. So they kind of feel like, oh, wait, they stopped paying attention to me because I was being a shithead. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you say to somebody, do this when you're doing and the, well, well, I do it this way because, okay, fine. Try one more time. Oh, mm -hmm. I do it this way because, okay, Absolutely. so you do it your way. I'm going to keep coaching it my way. Mm -hmm. And once you realize that you got kind of a little bit like turned off, then they're like, could you come over and look at my deadlift real quick? I'm like, yes, I would love to come over and look at your deadlift. <laughs> you know, so there's kind of different tactics that you can use to help bring those people around as well. Um, but it overall just takes patience more than, than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of you having to prove yourself as a coach, but, um, a lot of those people do come around, I think. And the ones that don't, it's like you said, like, let, let them go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, going back to the beginner aspect, the, you know, the idea of this podcast is to help people grow their gym business and those beginners, yeah, a few of them might leave at the six-month mark or mm -hmm. before the six-month mark. But imagine those people getting solid results and, like, fully buying into your program. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fully buying into your program. How long do they stay? Right. You know, you're talking about years and years of membership. Forever. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> Julianne on the other end of this yeah. headphone. So, yeah, it might require a little bit extra work. And you talked about investing in the beginners and yeah, a couple of them might leave early in their membership, but the ones that do stick, they're going to be fans and promoters of your business for life. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that it's going to multiply. Yeah. And I, I remember when we first opened, like, and I, we were coaching, you and I were the only coaches. We'd be fried on certain days and like, we get people who come in and it's like, this person is just can't move. And it's like, everyone's done it. You've mailed it in. You're mm -hmm. like, this person's not going to join. Like right. I, I'm not going to go as a hundred percent effort as I should here. And it's like, yes, maybe they would have fizzled out at the second, third or fourth month. Like, or they would have like had a, the experience like Julianne and like been the complete opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Like been a, an all-star become a coach. And like now they're the head coach. Right. So it's like, you never know how that beginner experience is going to net out. So it's crucial that like you just expect everybody that comes in the door, you know, don't don't pre-plan how you think they're going to go. Just yeah. they're going to be successful. You're going to get them that way. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to refer a bunch of people because they were treated well. Yep. And, you know, just because you used me as an example, I just want to point out that part of my success comes from pretty much the only person that's ever pro programmed my training is Dave Thomas for three years but it really is for three years we don't have we're not changing coaches programming every month yes i take specialty classes that might be programmed for other coaches but for the most part for three years it's been one person 
programming at the gym that I go to on a pretty daily basis that has produced a ton of result for me. Um, and that's great for me to be able to relate to new people as well to get them to kind of understand how it works. But another good example, um, you know, Kevin, you just posted about yesterday. Mm -hmm. I remember his first class and I remember thinking, I think he hates this. I don't <laughs> think he hate. I don't think he likes this. I don't know mm -hmm. if he's going to join. And I remember him signing the contract that day and being like, okay, this sucked. I'm ready. And now I don't know how long he's been a member now, but it's been over a year. And hey, Kevin, you're looking great. How much weight have you lost? The 52 pounds? Yeah, 52 pounds. Somebody that I that. like legitimately in his trial class was like, I think he hates me. I think he hates what he's doing. You know, it's like you just, you. you just stick. Yeah, in, he probably did. You just stick with people, yeah. and, and you, you, like I said, you invest in them, and like you, you completely yeah. change a person's life. Yeah, and he that's was like, back the next day, and I was like, Kevin, let's go, we're ready to go, you yeah. know. And he's back every day since then, and it, and it really is that. That's a just perfect example right there as well. Mm -hmm. And know? now he's a walking billboard for Walk, the gym. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Anybody have anything else to add? No. No. All right, I'm going to summarize it real quick because I feel like we talked about a lot. So like Pritz said, like the main focus is how to apply all this to your programming to keep and grow members. And the synopsis of it is people want to see consistent progress. So if you mess that up by putting them in situations where they're overdoing it and getting injured and doing these crazy you know, competitive athlete workouts all the time, you're going to interrupt that progress. So always keeping the eye on that. Um, we're big believers at our gym in having prerequisites for advanced stuff prerequisites for max lifting prerequisites i hate saying that word for timed <laughs> workouts so number one you're ensuring or i shouldn't say you're ensuring you're setting people up at the best possibility to remain injury free and number two you're giving them goals to progress to um, if somebody can come in right away and like do the high end of the board it's like they didn't earn anything there's right. no, there's nothing that there, there's no challenges that you gave to them in order to try to try to access something um not treating everybody like they're like they're pro athletes, like we said, and also diversifying your workout offerings. You know, if you're a gym that is like all competition and all full throttle all the time, and you have a little bit of success with that, like consider providing options where, where you take your foot off the gas. Like not everybody likes doing that stuff all the time. Not everybody likes barbells having some diversified options so that you can get a diversified clientele and grow your business. Obviously, you perform all that stuff under the same gym culture, and you attract the right like DNA, like we were talking about with Julianne, like people who share the same qualities. But it's totally cool to have people with very, very different goals in your gym, all accessing similar programming to reach them. Mm -hmm. um, cool. You guys got anything to add? I was gonna say your mom joke, but it would have been very no. inappropriate. It's I think ninety eighty seven to ninety degrees in here. Yeah. 95, so, I'm yes. <laughs> uh, it is managing to make Pritz's hair look amazing, though. Thank you. It is uh, I'll, I'll get a hold of uh, management. We'll get the AC <laughs> taken care of in the She's studio. Somewhere, right? <laughs> um, okay, guys. Thanks very much for listening. As always, please share it with people that you think it could benefit. Please continue to give us ideas. Please go on iTunes and rate us five stars. Drop us some comments um, and let us know how we can help uh, and drive the show. Thanks, guys. Thank All right, you. thanks.